Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I'm just excited to preach this message today. I think God's going to touch a lot of people. I've got a word that I think is going to minister, and uh, I'm just excited. Uh, Mark chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. And so they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. Now let me just comment, they are the scribes and the Pharisees. These are legalists, people who are very critical, very judgmental, who like man-made rules more than God's rules. People who play games. They come to church, but they don't have the goods. But they want you to think they have the goods. And then they want to have the right to judge you, but they don't want you to look at their life and see how messed up they are. How's that for an explanation? They're the people that put Jesus on the cross. So they were watching him. Verse 3, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Well, the answer is to do good, to save life. They couldn't see that. They were more concerned about law than they were love. They, they were more concerned about uh, uh, being right, self-righteous than being compassionate, caring about people. And they kept silent. Verse 5, and when he had looked around at them, how many of you know you, Jesus can get upset? <laughs> he got upset. He looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And then look what happened. Never touches him. Never applies anything to his body. Just looks at him and speaks. And he said to the man, stretch out your withered hand. And the man did what he could never do before. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. How many believe God still works miracles? God still does healings? Amen. You can be seated. So let's just dive right into this. One Saturday, because the Sabbath for the Jews was Saturday, okay? Uh, we, for us, Sunday is the Lord's Day. The, the truth Sabbath, according to the Bible, is Saturday, which is the last day of the week. God worked six days, rested the seventh day. You think, well, no, Sunday's the last day of the week. It's not. Look at your calendar. Sunday is the first day of the week. Go look at your calendar. So, so that's why the Lord Jesus rose on the first day of the week, Sunday morning. And so on a Saturday, being a good Jew, Jesus entered into a synagogue, a Jewish place of worship. It was probably in the town of Capernaum. And as we just read in the text, a man was there whose right hand, and I, I didn't read, obviously, all three gospel accounts, but in the synoptics, you read this story. So the synoptics are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John seems to go a different route in, in his telling of the story of Jesus, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke correlate closely. And so one of the other Gospels tells us that it was his right hand that was withered. And, and so this man's there who's, who's got a right hand that's withered, it's drawn up. And when I read this story, I think about a distant cousin I have who actually has a withered hand. My whole life that I've known him, I've known him with a hand that's drawn up and he cannot use it. 
So that's what I always think about. We don't know how this man was disabled. We don't know if it happened at birth. We don't know if he had an accident. Maybe he had a stroke. But the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments were dried up. There was no life in them. Atrophy had set in permanently. There was no movement in that hand. And, and if you just take the time to think about what would that be like, you would realize that his disability made life very difficult for him. As a matter of fact, tradition says that this man was a, a bricklayer, a mason, by trade. That was his livelihood. And so because if that story is true, that he probably had an accident or a stroke. So he could not do his work because of the withered hand. As a matter of fact, the story is that he, was, he actually asked Jesus to heal him. Again, this was a story outside of the Gospels. But, but just think about the difficulty. Guys, think about this. He had trouble getting dressed. He had trouble shaving. He had trouble tying his shoes. It made life, life was difficult for him. Now, you know, we, we can just keep going in this story, but being a good preacher and a pastor, I want to stop right here and correlate that and, and connect that with, with this congregation and those of you watching online today because it is very, very possible that there are people in this house, people watching online, that you say, you know what, I don't feel too different from this, this man in the Bible. Now, you may not have a withered hand, but you've got something going on in your life that has made life very, very difficult. Maybe you have physical pain in your body. Right now, you're hurting. Those of you at home, you're hurting in your back, in your shoulder. I don't know. Maybe you've experienced emotional trauma. I mean, it's so bad that you're devastated. It's, 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 it's just knocked you down. It's knocked the wind out of you. Perhaps you battle mind battles. Don't, don't raise your hand, but have you ever had mind battles? I have. They're horrible. You start imagining things. There's no basis for it, but you just start imagining. You live in this fantasy world of the worst to happen to you. Maybe that's where you're at today. Perhaps you are having trouble getting along with people. You know, some people just don't seem to work well with other people. Have you ever met anybody like that? And, and they just rub people wrong, and they say the wrong things, and they do the wrong things, and maybe that's you, and so you're struggling. Maybe you are battling anxiety. You know, anxiety is now one of the number one, and it has been this way for years, one of the number one causes of problems for Americans is anxiety because we live in a pressure cooker world. And so I saw just this week where a, a person who is often a special guest on Fox News and other outlets, news outlets, she had a full-blown panic attack online right in front of everybody. Wouldn't that be something? To just right there with the cameras rolling had a full-blown panic attack. Maybe that's you today. And then maybe, maybe it's spiritual for you. Maybe like this man's hand, you've dried up spiritually. It's a horrible place to be. We all like it when we're on fire. We all like it when we feel the Holy Ghost. We all like it when we, 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 we sense the presence of God. But Ben, if you ever go through a season where you feel dried up and you don't feel his presence and you've lost your joy and if, you, know, you know you're supposed to read the Bible, you know you're supposed to pray, but it's a chore. You have to make yourself do it. Maybe you're like that man today. 
Well, here's something that I just think it's worth bringing up, uh, and, and, it, and it, it, it ought to be addressed. And I know we pastors get accused of carping and harping on this subject, but it's, it's important, and it's an issue in the church. But I think it is noteworthy that this man's disability did not keep him from attending the synagogue. He could have used that as an excuse and said, well, I'm just not going today because it's too much trouble to get dressed. It's too much trouble to, to try to get myself together. I'll just stay home. And he could have done that week after week, but he didn't use as an excuse to lay out. He brought his disability with him. So the pastor in me wants to say to my church and to those of you watching online today, I'm going to give you a challenge. Refuse to permit your negative circumstance to keep you from the house of God. Don't let it keep you out. Let it propel you to this place. Now, I understand. Well, let me just say this. I did some study, and just so you know that we're not just being preachers that are harping on something because we want everybody here. Research shows that fewer people regularly attend church now than prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. We lost people. We lost people from church. They, some people just stopped going altogether. Some people uh, decided they're just going to stay home and watch online. Now, I'm, I'm not, I, I never want to fault the people that stay home and watch online for a good reason. But these are folks that could get in their car and come on Sunday morning. They could. They should. But they don't. They come up with excuses and just stay home and take the easy route and fail to meet with the body of Christ and get in the presence of God. More than one in four pre-COVID churchgoers are still missing from church. This is an issue, brothers and sisters. Now, I know, and I've, I've said this for years, so my conscience is clear. There are valid reasons to miss church on Sunday morning. Okay, if you're on vacation, you're not going to be here. I've laughed and told this for years. When I go on vacation, some people think when a preacher goes on vacation on Sunday, he goes to church. I don't. I don't. If I'm at the beach Sunday, I'm out on the beach. I love y'all, and I love Jesus, but I'm on vacation. I'm on the beach. Okay, I have gone to church on vacation, but it is rare. I only think it's a couple, three times in my life that I've gone to church, honestly, on vacation. And it's usually because I wanted to go visit a friend's church that I knew. But, but if you're on vacation, if there's a special event, okay, all right, I understand. Sometimes these special events come up. It's going to take you out of church, all right? You got a wedding, your daughter, son gets married on a Saturday night, you're, you're, that whole thing's all day, all week, and then it gets time to get up Sunday morning and you're wiped out, I don't blame you, stay home. I mean, if you're tired, understand, you're wiped out. I, there are reasons. Some people work on Sundays. That's how their job is designed. They, have, they work a weekend shift. A lot of you are nurses. That's fine. Nobody's going to fault you for that, except the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes because they, they said, you know, nobody's supposed to work ever on Sunday. That was what this whole issue was about. And, and so I could go into a whole diatribe about, about what the Sabbath really is all about, but that's not why I'm here today. 
But here's the warning that I want to give you as a shepherd. And I've learned this. Leah and I can testify to this, okay? Because I know sometimes you think we pastors, pastors' wives, we just always have it together, and, and we're just, you know, we kind of walk this perfect, holy life. There, there's not one preacher that does that. We're just like you. We have a calling on our life. But I'm going to tell you today, and I'm going to warn you today, you will fight the temptation to miss church when you are struggling in life. I don't understand why it works that way. I don't understand that when you're going through a difficulty, the first thing you do when Sunday morning rolls around is say, oh, I don't feel like going today, or I'm just not going to go today, or I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. We talk ourselves. We're in the middle of a battle, the middle of a trial, and we talk ourselves out of going to the one place that could make the difference for us. It's like having cancer and saying, I'm not going to the doctor. It's like having a legal situation and saying, I'm not going to see the attorney. I'm canceling that appointment. I'll just live with it or I'll just try to deal with it myself. I'm just telling you today. And listen, the devil likes it when you make that choice. The devil likes you struggling. You know that, right? He likes you going through difficulties. He enjoys watching you being spiritually dysfunctional. He, he gets pleasure out of you isolating yourself from the body of Christ. Here's why. Because he knows that if you come to church, all of that may change if you experience the presence and the power of God in a Sunday morning spirit-filled church like high praises. So he likes it. He's going to try to keep you out. So this man said, I'm not going to let my disability keep me from church. And he went to the synagogue. And that decision was life-changing. Because when he had an encounter with Jesus that morning, his life changed forever. You know, he didn't know that Jesus was going to show up that day. Nobody had put out a flyer. Nobody had sent out an email that said, hey, Everybody be at church this Sunday. Jesus, the rabbi, is going to be here. He just showed up. And that's why you need to get in your car, get up in the morning, get some discipline in your life, just like you do when you go to the doctor, just like you do when you take your kids to school, just like you do when you take your kids to soccer and dress the, the rehearsals, piano rehearsal. You have to have the same discipline, the same priority, and say on Sunday morning we get up and we go to church because... It's not Jesus might be there. Jesus will be there. Jesus will be at our church. The Holy Spirit will be here. And something may happen in my life. You see, he had heard of Jesus. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I think he was fully aware of Jesus' healing power. He had heard the testimonies. But here's what my imagination sees. When he walked into that synagogue and saw, there was a buzz in that room. There was a buzz. And he's like, what's going on? And somebody said, look over there. That's Jesus. Jesus and his disciples are here today. Jesus is here today. Have you heard about Jesus? Yeah, that's the guy that opens blinded eyes. That's the guy that heals people. That's the guy that changes people's life. They say he's the son of God. They tell us he may be the Messiah. He's here. There was a buzz. And when he got to the synagogue and he saw Jesus, listen to me, I am convinced the Lord's presence in that building gave that man hope. 
hope, something he had not had at all. But that morning, he had hope because Jesus was in the house. Every week, every week in anticipation of this Sunday morning service, many of us get on our knees, get in a prayer closet, and we cry out to God, and we say essentially, Lord, show up this Sunday at high praises. Whatever happens, please manifest your presence. Manifest your power. We need you here, God, because if you're not here, nothing's going to happen. But if you're here, anything can happen. Why do we pray like that? Why is that for me a priority? For me, it's a priority. I'm praying constantly on Sunday, God, let this place be anointed with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because let me teach you this. This is so powerful. Somebody get a hold of this this morning. Because his presence gives you hope and his power will bring you healing. When you have God in that, and I know there are churches, this is, that sounds critical, but I've been to them. <laughs> there are churches where you go in and you don't sense God, you don't feel God, there is no manifestation of God, and I think that's sad. Call it a church, I'm not sure what it is. Because if any two or three gather in his name, he's supposed to be there in the midst. But if we squelch him and quench him and we don't allow God to work, we, we have defeated the purpose of getting together. We don't get together just to have a social gathering. We don't get together because it's just a Sunday morning thing to do in the South. We come together in this place because we want to have interaction with the Son of the living God. We want to feel and sense the presence of God. We want to leave different than we came by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can be equipped to go do what God's called us to do and be who God's called us to be the rest of the week. You know, one time our church was wrongly sued during a building program. We did absolutely nothing wrong. The people who sued us did everything wrong. They tried to take advantage of us because we were a large church. When we called them out on it and tried to stop the process, they sued a church. I think they just saw a big church and saw easy grabbings for money. And the thing is, you can sue anybody. And once you're sued, you're on the defensive. Now you have to prove. And so I had never gone through that as a pastor. And that was one of the most stressful times in my ministry. And the times that I've pastored this church, for weeks the weight of that litigation was weighing on me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. I was talking to some people, but I wasn't getting the right counsel. And finally, I called Cleveland, Tennessee which is our headquarters for our denomination. I said, look, i got to have some help. Do we have a network? They said, yeah. And they told me of an attorney that is our network for our denomination. I called that man. I made an appointment. I sat in his office. I took all the paperwork. I told him what was happening. And when I finished, he said, Pastor, I'm going to take your case. I will represent you in high praises. And from this point on, when you get a phone call, don't you even talk to him. You just give them their number and let me talk to them. If you get a letter in the mail, don't even open it. Just bring it to me and let me handle it. If anybody says anything to you, you just tell them to call me and I'll take care of this for you. You don't have to deal with this anymore. 
Do you know at that moment, I experienced something that was wonderful. I was so burdened. I was so heavy. I was so stressed out. I was so distressed because I had a situation that I couldn't do anything about. And suddenly I was in the presence of a man who had the power, the knowledge, the ability to do what I couldn't do. And at that moment, hope flooded my soul. It's funny. I told him, I said, Mr. Logan, if you were a girl, I'd kiss you right now. He grinned and said, Pastor, please don't do that. Why do I tell you that? Because some of you may be under, and I feel the anointing right now. Some of you may be under the weight of a situation. You can't sleep. You can't eat. This thing is it's making you worn out. You can tell in your face that you're worn down. It's killing your spiritual life. But I'm telling you, that can change today because you are in the presence of God. God is here. And God knows what you're going through. And just one touch from Jesus, just one word coming out of Jesus' mouth can change everything and turn it all around. And you can experience hope today that things can get better. Faith can rise up in you. Impossibilities can now be possibilities. Yeah, somebody give God a hand clap of praise today for who he is and what he can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Jesus spoke to that man, said two things to him. He said, arise and stand here. I don't know how big that synagogue was, but Michael, you, you, you'd help me illustrate this sermon, wouldn't you? Mike, I want you to stand up, would you? And just stand there. Turn around, just face everybody. Oh, how awkward. And just stand there for about 20, just for the rest of my sermon, just stand there. Does it feel weird? Yeah, I bet it does. Okay, Michael, sit down. See, everybody, now Michael knows how the man feels. He picked him out. Out of all those people, said, stand up. And he's standing there, and everybody's looking at him. How awkward. And he, and he responds to those scribes and Pharisees because he knew what they were thinking. He said, what, this is, yeah, it's a Sabbath. I know you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but that's not, that's, this is not what that's about. This is about don't do your job. This is about let your body rest. Don't, don't go home and don't cut your grass on Saturday cut, or, fr- or Sunday. Cut it on Saturday. Give your body a break. You've expended energy for six days. Doctors, medical science has proven if you take one day and you don't do anything, all that energy that you've expended in six days, it's like, a, it's like a battery. It charges back up on a day of rest, and then you can work the next week. And while you're at resting, worship me. Spend some time with me, Jesus said. That's what the Sabbath was about. They had made it something else. They had made all these work, don't work laws. And so Jesus kind of deals with them, and then he looks at this man, and he says to them, him, stretch out your hand. Now, I'm amazed, and, and I think Mark would have told us, Matthew and Luke don't tell any different. This man never questioned Jesus. Now, some of us, we'd have said, excuse me, what did you say? Stretch out your hand. How, is, how am I going to stretch out my hand? 
Do you know how many times I've tried to stretch out my hand? My hand has been like this for 30 years, 12 years, six months. I can't stretch it out. What? He didn't hesitate. He didn't argue with him. He didn't argue with him. He didn't tell him all the reasons why it couldn't happen. But don't we do that sometimes? I mean, we might as well be honest. But this, this guy never did that. I think that's awesome. He just did what he was told to do by Jesus. He just did it. Okay. And he starts stretching. And I put in my notes, his obedience was the manifestation of his faith. His obedience, doing what the Lord told him to do, was the manifestation. Don't tell me you believe him. Show me. Don't tell me do you believe God can do something about your situation. Show me you believe. Show me by your actions. Don't tell me that you believe that you ought to do the right thing. Show me. Go do the right thing. Don't tell me that you believe that you should say no to certain sins. Show me by your faith. By you say, okay, I'm not doing that. Show me. Faith is action. You go to the book of James. Faith without works is dead. Sometimes, and this isn't about works. This is about obedience. I've seen people try to conflate those and say, oh, you, you people who believe in holiness and obedience and living right, you, your life's a lot about works. No, it's not. Obedience may be a form of works. I can't help that. But if God tells you to do it, it goes from a work to a command. It's not a work. It's a command. And Jesus had commanded it, and the Lord's commanded us to do things. And maybe today the Lord is speaking to you, telling you, if you'll do this, if you'll give your tithe, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing for you. Why do you keep not giving your tithe? I asked you to give that person $50 that's going through a hard time, but you talked yourself out of it. You argued with me and haven't done it. I needed you to be a source of blessing. Why did you not trust me? Because I was fixing to send you a check in the mail for $250, but I'm not now. Oh, the missed blessings because we fail to obey. Faith will move you to action. Now listen to me. Sometimes Jesus asks you to do what you don't think you can do. Sometimes he asks you to do what your flesh doesn't want to do. Right? Sometimes he asks you to do something that means you have to sacrifice a toxic relationship. You have to cut it off with somebody. Everybody else can see it, but you can't. That ought to be a red flag for you. Amen, Pastor. Good preaching. Sometimes that means you have to stop a bad habit that you've been making excuses for. Well, you got quiet on me now, but that's all right. Sometimes he asks you to do something that initially is uncomfortable. I came here today to tell you, you have to trust that what he is asking you to do will ultimately be for your greater good. Just trust him. Just trust him. Just trust him. See what the Lord will do. 
I wish that I was smart enough to look at my life circumstance and say, whoa, you know what would be great? Preach a sermon on a guy with a withered hand and tie that in to what you've been going through. I wish I was that smart, but I'm not. I just prayed and sought the Lord, and the Lord laid this in my spirit. I know how he deals with me. I've been preaching for 35-plus years. I know how he deals with me. And after I started researching, I said, hey, wait a minute. I know all about this. I know all about this. So let me just talk about this from a non-spiritual point of view. Three weeks ago, tomorrow, I went under the knife and had a partial knee replacement in, my, in the medial of my knee, in the inner part of my right knee. And when I came to, it was but a day or two that physical therapists came in. They started, actually it was when I got home, so it was within two days. Physical therapists came to my house and started me on physical therapy. I've had two physical therapists who've been coming to my house and put me through this routine that I've got memorized now. And they said, you have to do this twice a day. And so they would come one time, and I was supposed to have already done it or would do it later, but they would do it. So they would come during the week, and I would do this physical therapy. And I'm telling you right now, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's uncomfortable. And it's initially because of what they did to my knee and to the ligaments and the tendons and the muscles, they stretched it when they did that surgery so everything's weakened. So you, you can't do certain things until you have to retrain the muscles. See, I can lift my knee. That's major right there. See, that's part of my PT right there, see. Right there, I got to do that 15 times, twice a day. I couldn't do that. I remember I was sitting on a bed. Physical therapist came in and said, all right, put you back up against the headboard, and I want you to raise your right leg. And I went, I can't raise my right leg. That's, that's almost terrifying. They said, well, you're going to have to keep building those muscles up. And so I've been doing that for three weeks. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, it, it's, it, again, it's not enjoyable. I could talk myself out of doing it, but I would pay a terrible price for it if I neglected my physical therapy. But here's, what I, here's the correlation. Every day when that physical, the one guy, especially he's been there, Scott, he didn't say to me, stretch forth your hand. He'd say, stretch forth your leg. And at least the Lord told that man once. He's telling me to do it 15 times. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. Stretch out your leg. I thought, man, I can identify. I went to see my doctor with my follow-up visit Friday. And like I said, he asked me, he said, are you going to preach? I said, yeah. He said, what are you going to preach? And I told him. He said, I love that. He said, that's orthopedics. He said, I can't wait till you come back for the follow-up to tell me how the sermon went. I wouldn't be shocked if Dr. Lee pulls it up and watches it. Here's what they told me. My body. See, I could, I, see it's easy not to do it. You could give up. You could not do it. You could talk yourself out of it. But here's what they told me. They said, my body has healing power within to heal. But if you don't do the physical therapy and do your part, it won't heal right. The, 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 one of the therapists told me, she said, I've got a man right where you are in your 
station, and I'm ahead of the curve, by the way. They've released me from home. I start outpatient next week. They said, you're way ahead of the curve. You're doing great. I've got one right now that has only bent their knee to 40 degrees, Pastor Terrence. And she said, I'm almost having to get mean with him. But he's older, and he's set in his ways, and he doesn't want to do it. And this is what he said. He said, well, my body will heal eventually. I'll be all right. She said, but the problem is his body will heal, but his leg won't be healed properly. So what they told me is, yes, your body is going to do its part, but you got to do your part. I feel the Holy Ghost talking about PT this morning. Anybody see where I'm going with this? My, my body has a... Listen, God has the power to do what you need Him to do this morning. The Bible says unto Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything I could ever ask or think or imagine according to the power that is at work within me. There is a power of God that is at work within me, but I have to do my part. I have to have faith. I have to trust God. I have to take a step. I have to dig some ditches. I have to pour some oil into the... You just read all the Bible stories. Every time God said, just do something, you have to do whatever God tells you you to do and when you do listen to me when you just take that step the power of God will be released into your body into your mind into your situation into your life that power's here this morning <laughs> so the man did what Jesus told him to do and he stretched out his hand I don't know if he got his left hand and I don't know how he did it. But he just started stretching. And when he took that step and just started stretching, that didn't, that didn't do anything. What it did is it made a statement to Jesus, I'm doing what you're telling me to do. If, if it's going to happen, you got to do it. Sometimes you got to get to a point where you say, I can't fix it. The doctor can't fix it. The banker can't fix it. My counselor can't fix it. My therapist can't fix it. The pastor's not going to fix it. Only God can fix what I'm in. You just got to get to a point. Only God can change me. Only God can set me free. And he did his part saying, all right, I'm doing it. And as he did, the healing power of God came into that man's body and muscles and tendons and ligaments that were atrophied, had life and vitality and blood flow. And he started stretching it and did what he had never done before. And, he, and then I can see him flexing his hand, flexing his fingers, doing his wrists like this, doing his arms like this. I bet he even shouted a little bit. I bet he got happy a little bit. What do you think? I I don't think he just sat there and said, well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think he jumped up and down. I think the whole church, the whole synagogue got excited. Everybody's shouting except the scribes and the Pharisees. Bunch of sour pusses. But everybody else was getting happy. Why? Because God healed that man. I came here this morning convinced that God wants to work a miracle for many of you today just like he did for that man. Why? Because Jesus is here. The power of God is here. I'm, I'm asking you this morning, have hope that something good can happen to you this morning. Here in this month of March, on this Sunday morning, His power is at work. Have faith that God can turn it around for you. I want you to stand with me this morning. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, 
please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.